Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45 listeners. I'm sorry, you are coming in partway through a conversation. We've been here <laughs> chatting and having really meaningful conversations. And I said, we need to start recording because this is really great. So I am thrilled to have Daniela Chase on the podcast today. Yeah. And Daniela is also a coach, NLP practitioner, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner is NLP. Is there anything else that I'm missing in that introduction? Gosh. Um, So I am master practitioner. Uh, certified coach uh, and NLP uh, coach um, since 2018. Okay. I did my PRAC level certification and training in 2017. Um, I'm also, and and this is so weird, I am um, level three attuned Reiki practitioner. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know generally speaking people, uh, a a lot of people out there are calling themselves Reiki masters at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe mastery is something that is Mm -hmm. acquired over time. So I don't refer to myself as a Reiki master, Mm -hmm. uh, but I am a practitioner as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am generally a very curious human being. Mm-hmm. Curious, <laughs> curious in the sense that um, some people I think experience me as as being a little bit weird. <laughs> and, it's my favorite kind. And also curious as from the perspective of I'm, I have an insatiable curiosity around mm-hmm. human behavior, what makes us tick, mm-hmm. what makes us behave and respond and decide and be in the ways we are mm-hmm. doing all of those things. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to come back to this curiosity question because it underlines a lot of uh, things that I have been thinking about and considering. So, uh, so welcome. I'm so glad that you are here today. Uh, we met just a few weeks ago. Yes. Yes. We were at a um, therapeutic hypnosis session, happened to sit beside each other. I used happened, happened in the most <laughs> ironic sense, because nothing ever just happens. And you needed a ride home, which I was able to do. And we started having conversations and realized just how much our lives had intersected up until that point. Mm -hmm. And as we were having conversation, you would be a really brilliant guest to have Mm -hmm. on this show. So I'm glad that you are here today. So we really need to acknowledge and, and offer a huge shout out to one of our mutual favorite humans. Oh, yes. Jane Dewar. Yeah, love you. <laughs> if you're watching this, if you're hearing this, um, just sending you all the love and all the admiration. And want to take a moment to acknowledge that my eldest um, is the remarkable human being they are today, in large part because you were there to affirm them and create space for them during some very difficult high school years. And I will forever be grateful for that. Thank you. That's one of the things I think we don't do enough is putting out there though and and doing those recognition pieces. And it's one of the things I do try to do on this podcast. So mm-hmm. thank you very much for taking the opportunity to do that because Jane Dewar has had an impact on the lives of so many people in our community. Yeah. And often we all of that impact goes unknown. Yes, unsung, the unsung hero of Simcoe County and and beyond. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Daniela, tell me your story. How did you get to where you are now? Oh, my goodness. We could come at this from so many different angles. Um, 
uh, I have been on a journey of self-discovery pretty much forever. Um, I was raised in a foster family situation. So my biological aunt and her husband were my foster parents. My maternal grandmother was my legal guardian. Um, the, the two women I refer to as sisters, they are cousins by blood, but very much sisters in every other way. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, a lot of dysfunctionality, um, a lot of abuse in, in that family of origin space. And so I made the determination very early on that I was going to figure out how to do things differently, you know? Um, I remember at, at, at 20, I remember making the declaration that the, the, the patterns of trauma and abuse were going to stop with my generation. And I think a lot of us who fall into that age range of late boomer, early Gen X, or, um, or, or right on the cusp, a lot of us remember making those declarations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us look back now and see how we were both successful and unsuccessful at the same time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the conversations we're having now around trauma and generational patterns and cycles of abuse, et cetera, et cetera, were simply not conversations we were having when we were very young. Mm -hmm. um, and we simply lacked the awareness. Um, we also lacked the supports because the conversations were not mm -hmm. being had that yeah, we didn't even have the vocabulary. We it, didn't. It was we like had those no words didn't exist or they didn't, they weren't used in the way that we use them now with mm -hmm. the understanding of what they truly mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when, when I hear um, conversations or um, people sharing thoughts on, on social platforms uh, around how this generation versus that generation and like, I, I understand all of it. Uh, kids going no contact with parents who um, really have a lot of learning and growing and evolving to do uh -huh. um, and responsibility to take uh -huh. who, who are themselves traumatized to the point where they can't own how the cycle of abuse has, has continued in, uh -huh. in their family. Um, my mind is everywhere. Um it's really, I acknowledge and I applaud and I celebrate the younger generations, the Gen Zs, the mm -hmm. Gen Alphas, the um, millennials who mm -hmm. are raising kids differently. Gentle parenting, yes, mm -hmm. full on. And I think we also need to take a moment to recognize that we cannot take ownership of many of the underlying concepts that form gentle parenting because mm -hmm. i think our indigenous people were doing that kind of parenting a long time ago absolutely and i i i, I have to mm -hmm. i have to give credit where it's due yes you know a lot of these concepts that filtered through and that more spiritually aware and less religious younger people are bringing to how they how they create their lives and how they develop their relationships uh, with everyone are very much informed by spiritual spiritual concepts that were practiced by indigenous peoples mm -hmm. around the globe. Mm -hmm. 
and yes. here in Canada yes. on Turtle Island. Yes. A long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that and honoring that and the influences that come through and help us to live better, more wholehearted, more um, authentic and gentle and compassionate and empathic lives mm -hmm. is huge. It is unwinding the damage mm -hmm. of colonization yes. and patriarchy is exceptionally difficult. Mm -hmm. It's one of the conversations we were having just before we started recording because it has infiltrated absolutely every element. Like, even if you think about it uh, through the periodic table, mm -hmm. <laughs> like every element in our system is infiltrated by colonization and patriarchy. And it's not until, and once you see it, you can't unsee it, yeah. but because it is so per prevalent and persistent in everything, mm -hmm. it's what makes it so difficult yes. to see. It also is what makes me think about why the process to reconciliation, I mean, there's a thousand reasons why it's deeply painful and challenging, mm -hmm. but one of them is that we are coming back to what already existed yes and was intentionally dismantled yes. violently dismantled and now we have to do all of this healing to make space for what already was yeah yeah and there's uh there's an energetic resonance to that that wants to come out my eyes as we as we speak yeah so yeah. it is um there's so much deep healing to happen around that. And I was, I was on another podcast a couple of weeks ago and we were having this intergenerational conversation. And I think it is ex exceptionally important that generations start talking to each other and recognizing that we can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. My last couple of years in education, and I remember it when I first started. So I'm in a, I'm born in 1977, which is this funky little micro generation. Have you heard about this? Mm -hmm. So we are Xenials. Mm -hmm. So we are a blend of Gen, Gen X and uh, Millennials because our, our early childhood was analog, but we came online early enough that we are still considered digital um, initiates mm -hmm. right, at the beginning. So when I started teaching, I remember the teacher across the hall saying to me, well, you and I just have very different perspectives on teaching, on education. You know, you uh, work to live and I live to work. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, yes. <laughs> that is a very, um, yes, very different perspective. But there wasn't an engagement in conversation around how we might learn from each other. It was a judgment. And in my last couple of years as an educator, I was hearing that same judgment come from people of my generation who now are the senior elder educators in the system toward millennials and Gen Zs now who are coming into the system. And the conversation went something along the lines of like, well, how are these kids ever going to exist in the real world? They're saying no to staying after school for hours. They're saying no to giving up their whole lives. They won't take a contract because it interferes with their yoga schedule. And I was like, good. 
good. We should be learning from each other because look what we have done to ourselves in the service of patriarchy and and colonized patriarchal and colonized notions of work. Mm -hmm. We have destroyed ourselves. Absolutely. And if we could open our minds and listen to the generation coming up because they have watched us destroy ourselves and they know not to do that. Yes, very much so. In the same way that I had a front row seat to the dysfunction in my parents' relationship, Mm -hmm. my kids had a front row seat to the dysfunction Mm -hmm. in the relationship I had with their dad, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's brave in the same way that I Mm -hmm. was brave. And then ultimately, for a variety of reasons, ended up perpetuating Mm -hmm. a very patriarchal dynamic in in the home. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm absolutely in love with um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha. Mm -hmm. They embody all the fire Mm -hmm. that I remember having as a kid. And they are demanding. Mm Yes. More space to take up where I wasn't brave enough, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I say that not as a judgment against myself. Um, It's more of an acknowledgement of how far we've come, we've come Mm -hmm. as a society and how we as Gen Xers and as Zennials Mm -hmm. contributed to like every generation moved moved Mm -hmm. us forward Mm -hmm. yeah it's been an incremental journey like my mom decided my my mom was raised by a violent abusive philandering drunk Mm -hmm. and she and she shared stories of being regularly beaten by her father Mm -hmm. regularly um physically punished watching her mother experience the same watching her siblings experience the same and she vowed her vow was, I will never beat my children, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And to her credit, she didn't. Mm-hmm. She's still a parent. She's still human. We're still kids. She still gets frustrated and angry. Mm-hmm. Her moving moving us forward in, in, our, in, in our family line, she did not beat us, but when she got to her, beyond the point of, of her end, mm-hmm. um, her way of releasing that stress and that tension was verbal violence. Mm-hmm. It was humiliation. It was yeah. uh, emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And I experienced a, a fair amount of, of that, as did my sisters. And mom loved us. Mm-hmm. But when she lost it, she lost it. And it was not a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. And words do hurt as much. I have some. And they linger longer yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> than bruises do. Um, not to say that someone who's physically abused doesn't also have the lingering emotional mm. impact. Of course mm-hmm. they do. Yes. Um, so I experienced discipline mm-hmm. and punishment in, in that way. And I made the choice. I made the declaration that I was not going to perpetuate that way mm-hmm. of parenting. Mm-hmm. And as any mother of a toddler who is sleep deprived, 
who hasn't showered in mm -hmm. who knows how many days at this point, mm -hmm. who hasn't had the opportunity to sit down and really have a full meal mm -hmm. uninterrupted and, you know, be present with themselves. There are moments when our children are very young and we're new moms and we don't really know what we're doing and we just lose our minds. Mm, absolutely. And we catch ourselves in those moments and, you know, mm -hmm. we berate ourselves for those moments. And I think it's far more effective when we catch ourselves in those moments to recognize, oh, this is the pattern showing up. Mm -hmm. Hard no. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to do this. Thank God I caught myself. Yes. Um, owning it. And, mm -hmm. and like, I, I remember losing my temper with my toddler son mm -hmm. and coming to awareness as vitriol was falling out of my mouth mm -hmm. and immediately dropping down to my knees. Mm -hmm. I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. It is never okay for anyone to speak to you in this way. I am so sorry. I lost my cool. It's not okay. It's not your fault. Yeah. This was me. And that is such a powerful. And it's all on me. Yeah. And that's such a powerful approach, right? Because the reality is we are humans. Yeah. We're going to have our moments. Yeah. It just, our biological makeup, our, the way our brains work it's going to happen. Yeah. But to be able to, and, and you said it, or, and I was thinking about this when you were speaking earlier about, and my children witnessed the dysfunction in my relationship. It's that same capacity to own your mistakes and not hide it. Yeah. Right. And to show a child that, it's okay to apologize mm -hmm. because that's how we learn. We make a mistake, we catch it, we reflect, we make amends to whoever we may need to make amends to, yeah. and then we can move forward in a healed and whole way. Yeah. And that's what sets us free. Yes. Yes. Patterns, ignoring patterns when they show up mm -hmm. um, because it's too uncomfortable and mm -hmm. I cannot... I can't see, I can't allow myself to see me through that lens because it is so painful to know that I have just inflicted on another human, a powerless human, the same kind of harm that was inflicted upon me. Mm -hmm. There is, I think, a very natural desire to simply deny and avoid that. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. because like, who wants to be the bad mom? Nobody. No. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <ever>. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, as we move into this time and space where we're having conversations uh, around exactly these kinds of behaviors, because mm -hmm. it's so important to acknowledge in order to heal. Mm -hmm. See, me coming forward, um, knowing that there are still layers of shame that I carry around these behaviors and these very isolated incidents, if I don't speak about it, that shame survives within me. Mm -hmm. If I don't speak about it, there's another mom out there mm -hmm. who's going through the same thing or another dad out there who's going through similar and their shame will silence them. Mm -hmm. 
And as long as it stays in the closet, as long as it stays hidden, swept under the rug, as long as we refuse to give it the light of day, it -hmm. continues to be a problem. Yes. You know? And I remember having conversations with my kids. I, I have two. And I think the eldest was somewhere around 14 when I first had this conversation with them. And my, my younger one was probably a similar age. But I remember saying, you know, there's going to come a day mm-hmm. when you're going to realize you're really pissed off at me about something. Who knows what? Oh, mom, no way. Mom, you're awesome. You're the best. All my, all my friends love you. You know, you're just, you're just so great. No, no, hear me. Mm-hmm. There yep. will come a day when you will realize that you are really angry with me mm-hmm. about something. And I want you to know that when that day comes, you can come to me and you can hold me accountable. You can say the hard things mm-hmm. and I will hear you. And I will validate your experience. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I know that as much as I loved my mother, there were some things Mm -hmm. that she did, some choices that she made that enraged me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as a young person, I didn't have the capacity to understand how trapped by the social structures at the time Mm -hmm. my mother was, Yeah, you know? And on that day, when our kids realize how angry they are with us, Mm -hmm. um, what's coming to the fore is not the adult version of themselves, but that younger version that in that moment was enraged Mm -hmm. and it's finally catching up and being heard by the adult version of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're seeing a trend where, you know, this is happening with kids, with young adults and, and even older adults who are holding their parents to account as they should, Mm -hmm. because they love us. They want to see us grow. They're bringing this to us Mm -hmm. as a gift and an opportunity for us to own it and grow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, because I think that is the most important perspective to look at that from is that it is a gift and it is an opportunity. Yeah. Right. Instead of the traditional structure that we have of, well, just don't ever talk about it. Yeah. And I know there's not a person I know who I have a conversation with about their family of origin, about their in-laws, about families going forward where there is this simmering, underlying, everybody knows, but nobody talks about it. And it gets in the way of true relationship. Yes. Because everybody is just trying to maintain stability. Mm -hmm maintain their own personal comfort to not have to own their role in what happened Mm -hmm. because you can't have a relationship without everybody having a role in it. And so it's easier to just let the simmer happen only it's not. And both can be true at the Mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I I know that both were true at the same time for me. Because I was aware of generational patterns. I was Mm -hmm. aware of generational trauma. I had made a declaration that I was going to put an end to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And at the same time, there were other factors that um, 
I wasn't going to go here, but I will. Mm-hmm. Um, not having been raised by my biological parents, mm-hmm. um, having had the experience of not having my biological father present ever in my life, um, n- and having been raised in a home where I was simultaneously most loved by my grandmother and my mom and um, most at risk mm-hmm. by my dad. Um being able to provide my children with a stable nuclear family environment um, patterned very much on leave it to beaver. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not going to lie. Not that I consciously set out to do that. No, but 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 my, my, my concept of what a healthy family looks like Mm -hmm. was built on leave it to beaver. Um, Happy days, the Cunninghams. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, trying to think. There was a third one I used to. Oh, and the show Family. I used to love the show Family. It was a one-hour uh, American drama um, starring Seda Thompson and James Broderick and Christy McNichol and okay. Gary Frank. Hmm. Loved that show. Meredith Baxter Burney was in it as well. Hmm. And and what I loved about i mean the cleavers were just perfect they were just mm-hmm. dusted off spit shine polished yes you know, nothing going on there yeah but the cunninghams and um the family in family I'm trying to remember the lawrences they had stuff mm-hmm. and things to unpack but they did it they did everything conversationally they did everything without violence mm-hmm. and this was the kind of environment that i wanted to co-create yeah you know mm-hmm. But I brought so much baggage into that relationship, mm-hmm. as yet unpacked, unhealed baggage, that um, some of the cycles were bound to continue, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it's not as simple as making the decision, because there's so much unconscious programming running. Oh, yeah. And this is where um, the work that I do with coaching, uh, it's the reason I choose to do it, because... Um, the tools and techniques of NLP helped me change my life, helped me take ownership of and take responsibility mm-hmm. for um, a number of dynamics that I had contributed to that were not um, helping, mm-hmm. that were not healing, mm-hmm. that were harmful. And it gave me a perspective from which to witness my life. And be able to say, okay, yeah, that, that needs, that needs healing. Mm -hmm. You know, that behavior is evidence of an unhealed wound. Yes. And yeah, and there's overlap in the work Mm -hmm. that you do with that and the strategies that I use through parts work. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of significant overlap there. And and I want to be clear too, that there is no one, um, holy grail modality there is no single holy grail modality (laughs) there are so many people um exploring um healing our woundedness and and you know releasing our trauma that Mm -hmm. is literally stored in our bodies until we acknowledge it confront it process it and let it go um there are so many people doing this kind of work from so many different angles and nlp has helped me and mm-hmm. there are elements to my healing that NLP has not touched. 
Yeah. You know, because NLP doesn't so much dive into the somatic parts of the work. Mm -hmm. So somatic experiencing mm -hmm. is so important. Yes, it is. So, so important. Mm -hmm. And I think finding practitioners who will support you in a, in a variety of different ways, mm -hmm. um, you will know it will resonate with you mm -hmm. when the person is sitting in front of you or standing in front of you. I remember when I started this journey, I walked into a, um, a, a workshop that I had registered for. I was standing at the registration table and uh, my head was kind of tilted because I was, you know, filling in the forms, my mm -hmm. head's tilted. And I see this woman across the room and right here in my, in my left ear, mm -hmm. I hear now bear in mind, no one's standing there. Yes. No, mm -hmm. I hear you need to work with her. She's the real deal. Turns out she was the person who was actually delivering the workshop. And two weeks later, two weeks later, I walked into, I, I was in her office mm -hmm. and working with her. And that was the beginning of the, she's the one who initially led me to a weekend workshop down in, in, in Vaughan, you know, it's led by this guy from Newmarket, you know, his name's Ernie Pavan and that, 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 it was just following the breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And recognizing that each person we encounter um, has gifts to share mm -hmm. and this journey is never over. No. And that's something that has been rolling around a lot <clears throat> because in the coaching world, as being new to it, I find myself sitting in places of discomfort a lot for a variety of different reasons. Coaching work is so essential in on so many ways and the language around it in very traditional senses, I find like really triggering that like, I can fix you in three weeks. Like one, I don't need fixing. Yes. I need healing. <laughs> and three weeks is a heartbeat mm -hmm. and there is no time. There is no timeline. And that is, that's some of the first conversation I have with clients is there isn't a timeline. This is not a destination mm -hmm. because healing happens in a cycle and life continues to happen. Yeah. So you, you can do healing and then something in life will bring that back to the surface. It doesn't mean that you didn't do the healing work. It just means life continues to happen. Yeah. Right. It's one chapter after another. In, in NLP speak, um, our unconscious mind, when it feels safe enough to do so, mm -hmm. when it feels that it is safe to do so, it will serve up a memory. Yes. It will serve up that memory often in response to some external event that triggers us, mm -hmm. that triggers the memory. And if we choose to, we can look upon that recognize it as an unhealed wound mm -hmm. and go and find the support we need to heal the thing. Bearing in mind that the unconscious mind will only serve up as much as it feels safe to reveal in that moment. Mm -hmm. So we can do the work of healing that piece yes. that we've now got awareness of. Mm -hmm. And six months down the road, six years down the road, mm -hmm. something else may happen. And 
oh my gosh, I thought I dealt with this. Just mm-hmm. like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I thought, And I've had this experience. I oh, thought same. I dealt Me with too. this. Yeah. Why am I here again? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here again because wounds run deep. Mm-hmm. And they need to be healed at every level. Yes. And that's a, yeah, that's a really powerful visual to think through. Yeah. And that initial piece of healing was necessary to create the safety Mm -hmm. that the unconscious mind needs to serve up the next layer. Yes. And this is getting, taking me back to the beginning of our conversation when I said, hold that idea of curiosity. We're going to come back to that because it is a theme that has run through my conversations and trying to figure out why some humans stay stuck in the right, wrong, good, bad, binary thinking, Mm -hmm. and why some humans are able to see beyond the binary mm-hmm. in every capacity. Yes. There that exists. And I believe it is curiosity. Yes. That when you come from a place, when you operate from a place of curiosity, rather than a question of, of the place of judgment, like you're coming from a place of wonder, which means you are always open to learning and understanding someone else's perspective. I agree with you. And? And? <laughs> And I would go beyond that Mm -hmm. because what creates the space for the, for the curiosity to exist? So this is where I wonder, right? Yeah. What, what creates that in someone and where I'm at is, um, I didn't have the space to be curious about the motivations, the triggers, the unconscious patterns for as long as I was still running this, not just running because the narrative runs, Uh um, but believing the narrative that because this is in me, that makes me a horrible human. Uh Uh You know, it wasn't until I stumbled upon individuals who were able to share with me from a place of absolute congruence Mm -hmm. that every human being is inherently valuable, Mm -hmm. inherently precious, inherently magnificent, Mm -hmm. and that there is no end to the ways in which we experience ourselves and express ourselves in the world. Mm -hmm. There is no end. And what an amazing thing that is. Yes. Because that is where the richness and the beauty of, of this, this tapestry we call life mm-hmm. comes from, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this, this, this idea that of, that some kind of homogeneity is to be no. desired. Yeah. Um, no, no, <laughs> thank you. The um, notion of sameness is such a, I struggle with that so much. Like even, and I know people, when they say this, they are coming from the, like the, a loving perspective, but when we're talking about race and different colored skin and ethnicity and people say what, but we're all the same on the inside, but it's not sameness they're looking for. No, it's safeness. Okay. This is where I feel safe, safe and different 
is something new and it's something I don't understand. And when I don't mm. understand it, I feel threatened. And when I feel threatened, I'm going to come back at you in a variety of different manners, or I'm going to run away. Mm -hmm. One or the other. That's a really, thank you. Um, so it's, it's safeness and, and back to, you know, what is it that allowed me to develop curiosity in mm -hmm. my own journey and really start to look at myself and, and own where, um, I had been perpetuating patterns and behaviors that were problematic. Um, it came from a place of accepting the wholeness of my humanity. Yes. And being able to acknowledge that not only am I never going to be perfect, I'm not meant to be. Mm -mm. I'm not meant to be. I'm I'm meant to be dynamic and I'm meant to be continually evolving. And I'm mm -hmm. meant to um, constantly grow and change. And as such, I'm freed from this need to invest myself yes. in any one position or belief or thought. Mm -hmm. Because all those are just another possibility. Mm -hmm. And if it's a possibility that is uplifting and it it um, contributes mm -hmm. in positive ways, fantastic. Mm -hmm. If it is, however, potentially harmful to myself or anyone else, then that needs to be examined and healed. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So learning to love myself, really. Yes. All of myself. Mm -hmm. And when I can love all of myself, even the bits that I don't, you know, I'm mm -hmm. uncomfortable looking at, then I can get curious. It's like, okay, that thing there that's, ooh, if I touch it, it hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if I poke at it, it's really uncomfortable. Um, from that space of, I can notice that it's uncomfortable. I can notice but I don't have to judge myself for it. Mm -hmm. I can just acknowledge that this is there. It is what it is. And it doesn't have to stay that way. Yes. And what supports do I need to move myself through this? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can do that work on my own because I mean, I've, I've been very intensely focused since 2017 on acquiring skills and, and practices that help me do that. Sometimes with all the tools and techniques and skills and abilities that I have, I, I still need support. Mm -hmm. and we will never achieve this in a vacuum. No. You know, we need each other to move through this mm -hmm. because sometimes that thing that I know I need to poke and prod is so uncomfortable. I need someone else sitting there not judging me for it mm -hmm. so that I can learn how not to judge myself on that thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this idea of, idea of individualism. Again, it sort of takes us back to the beginning of our conversation where we're unwinding, right? Because individualism is a new concept, yeah. right? That's colonialism, patriarchy, and capitalism is the idea that we have to do everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it, if you need someone else to help you, it's cheating. It doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, when the truth is we, we are community beings. Mm -hmm. We are meant to be in community with each other. Yeah. Right. It was the power of, we were talking earlier about the coven that I have. I, I feel, I am grateful that I have a couple covens that I get to be part of. And I use the word coven really specifically because those were places of great power to 
communities for women, mm-hmm. right? They shared their power together and they were stronger because of the way that they supported each other in that community. Yes. And that is why they were targeted, mm-hmm. destroyed, and, and a narrative was created around them being evil, dangerous. Yeah. Yes. And, and we're seeing that same narrative yes. coming forward again. Indeed. As women are once again mm-hmm. convening. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And we're seeing most overtly right now, we're seeing it um, being targeted against the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. in particular, the trans, yeah. queer, non-binary community. Yeah. Um, and it's a hateful rhetoric that, I mean, I, I'm right up there. I'm the mom of a trans, mm-hmm. queer, non-binary person. Mm-hmm. And I am right there when it comes to having that sense of outrage. I want to fight for my kid, for everyone else mm-hmm. who has a kid who, for, for all of, I, I just want people to be able to exist in peace yes and and have every person um be able to explore the full potential of who they are and how they can experience themselves and how they can express mm-hmm. themselves because that is where the richness that contributes to my life comes from mm-hmm. absolutely you know yeah all of those amazing differences are mirrors for that that show me that I can continue to explore and and safely be who I am mm-hmm. and continue to expand that. Why on earth would I fight against anyone who's different? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line? Yeah. Um, and the line yeah. for me, the litmus test is if I'm seeing a behavior that I'm unfamiliar with, if I'm seeing an expression of humanity that I'm unfamiliar with and and that I'm uncomfortable with, or that I find offensive or an offensive is always an indicator. Mm -hmm. There's a trauma in me. There's an unhealed thing in me that really needs my attention. Um, But anything that is outside of myself that is different, that I don't comprehend, not that I need to, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm a big believer in the baseline is respect. Yes. Uh, comprehension and understanding aren't entirely necessary, but respect and appreciation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the litmus test is, is that, or could it potentially be? No, could it potentially be? No, because that's, that's catastrophic thinking that hasn't even happened yet. Is it currently right now in this moment causing overt harm to another human being Mm -hmm. or to that individual themselves yes when it comes to that individual themselves that's not a judgment i can make so that part of the question is off the table Mm -hmm. right yes um when it comes to is that behavior or that position or that expression causing direct harm to another human being that's where i have a boundary Mm -hmm. yes but if i'm personally offended that's not a them problem. That's a me problem. Mm-hmm. That's where I got some work to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's two things that are coming up. So one is going back to that concept of being, when you are in love with yourself, yeah. then you don't see anyone else as a threat. Yes. 
right? So when you, when you are fully over the moon in love with yourself, and again, that doesn't mean that you don't have things that are painful and things that poke up, but you are inherently connected to your own worth, then I don't need someone to be what I think they should be. Because right. if I love myself this much and they love themselves that much, then we are free. Yes. Yes. And that is the foundation of all of the work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And we were having this conversation before because I had had a situation where um, some people who I care about very much in my life were posting a contrary opinion to me about drag story time. And I had the conversation with some of my friends who are in the community because I wanted to be able to model that it is entirely possible to have a conversation mm -hmm. because we, as a, we, the grand, we have lost the capacity to give and take yes. to exchange ideas. And that is where we are seeing the breakdown in democracy. Mm -hmm. The conversations have very much become um, hyper politicized. Yes. Everything is a power grab and there's mm -hmm. little to no space being afforded to um, approaching any of these issues mm -hmm. that are social issues. Yes. From the perspective of the wholeness and the healing of humanity. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm very concerned with and interested in wholeness, healing and mm -hmm. humanity. Yes. And I'm also very aware of the politicization of mm -hmm. these conversations because going to be real the, the the people who hold the power are feeling threatened right now because yes. if we do manage to um continue to move forward and and i have no doubt that we will gen alpha gen z <laughs> go you um, um the conversations that we're having around wholeness healing and humanity mm -hmm. are deconstructing the very structures yes. that uphold the power that is in the hands of a very few. Mm -hmm. And the very few are pushing back in every way they know how. In in and in the most violent ways. Yes. Yes. Which creates those ripples, those ripples of fear, which feed into the cycle of not being able to have conversation. Yes. Right. Because people are in activated states prefrontal cortex, amygdala are offline. And so then we are operating from a space of fear mm -hmm. and protection. So that's, and, and my identity is wrapped up in that now. Mm -hmm. And so everything around me needs to be affirming of this identity that I've created around myself that makes me feel safe because yeah. fear is uncomfortable. And it, it comes back to, um, in, in this conversation, it comes back to this this binary, this idea yes. that everything is either black or white or right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And in my own journey, um, I was very much addicted for the longest time mm -hmm. to a need for validation. 
-hmm. and bear with me here because this thought mm -hmm. is literally formulating as it falls out of my mouth. Yep. Um, my childhood experiences, um, let me give you one example. Okay. Mm -hmm. Raised in a fostered situation. Um, my mom loved and adored and treated me in the same way that she treated her girls. We were all her girls, mm -hmm. you know, all three of us. My dad, um, imagine, you know, European family, all the unwrapping of presents happens Christmas Eve. Right. Um, and my dad would kind of be on the fringe of that, never really participating in that. You know, everything under the tree was, that was manifested by my mom and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the evening, because he needed the spotlight, my dad would ceremonially get up from wherever he was sitting, observing all of this unfolding. And he would walk into his bedroom and he would come back out with three envelopes. And he would present these envelopes to my sisters and myself. And their envelopes always contained the same amount. And my envelope contained exactly half of what they got. So I had an annual reminder that my value yes. was half. Ugh. So mm. being the, like growing into the, the, the fiery kid that I was, the, the very obviously angry kid that I was, um, there was something in me that took shape that was, I will not be wronged anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the refusal to be wronged or invalidated by others was uh, only a reflection. It was a reflection mm -hmm. of this very damaging voice in my own head that continually tried to tell me that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. I had an addiction to being wrong, to making myself wrong. And I created all kinds of chaos and drama in my life mm -hmm. out of this um, need to find my own validation. Mm -hmm because I wasn't finding it within myself. It really did not matter what anyone else was doing or saying or, mm -hmm. or how they were treating me. I was struggling to find my own inner validation. Yeah. And getting in my own way doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think when it comes to this idea of people, um, being incredibly aggressive because their own internal dialogue says, I am not safe because of this external condition that I see unfolding mm -hmm. or this, this human expressing in the way that they do. Um, I think that's layered in with the right wrong, because if I give this much space mm -hmm. to that expression of humanity, that means that everything that I've held everything that I've believed, everything that I have taken on mm -hmm. and accepted is at risk. And maybe I'm wrong. Yes. And none of us want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing mm -hmm. in giving ourselves permission to consider the possibility that some of the thoughts we've been holding on to, some of the beliefs we've been holding on to 
are not serving us. Mm -hmm. They are in fact, yes, not contributing to our well-being or anyone else's. Mm -hmm. That's where the freedom lies. Yes. Be willing to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Be willing to consider that other possibilities exist. Mm -hmm. Yes. And be willing and curious and explore and find what works for you and be okay with the whatever works for you in the now moment. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a shelf life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we will continue to grow. And like I've done interviews and things before, and I was sharing this with you earlier. There are some things I said in early interviews that I no longer am mm -hmm. aligned with. Yes. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> and that that's the beauty of growth, yeah. right? That when you give yourself the freedom to be wrong, mm -hmm. You give yourself the freedom to grow. Yes. Yes. And to, and to listen, to really deeply listen. Yes. And I think that is another skill that we've lost the, the ability to really listen to what someone else is saying. And I believe that the words and languaging are critically important. Yes. So I want to be super clear. Um, giving myself permission to be wrong is is probably a misstatement it's yeah. giving myself permission to acknowledge that the thought that i've held can be wrong without me being wrong mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. am an amazing it, human being yes. who is on this incredible quest this hero's journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right thank yep. you joseph campbell <laughs> um and and the holy grail that I am in search of is my truest self. Yes. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and that really has nothing to do with anybody outside of me because they're all doing exactly the same thing mm -hmm. in their way. Yes. Right. Yeah. And giving one another permission to be on that quest, mm -hmm. to fulfill that quest starts with giving ourselves permission. Mm -hmm. And if we're afraid of growth, yeah. We're going to be afraid of the people who are growing. Yes. Deeply afraid. Deeply. Yes. Cripplingly so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I feel like we could talk forever. I know we could. <laughs> but I also feel like this is a really good place to wrap up the conversation because I think there, I feel like there is some healing in this conversation around there so. are ways, there are ways to come back to each other. Yeah. It's not impossible. It just is going to take curiosity, love, internal worth and value, and all of the truth that we need to let ourselves express and receive. Yes. Yeah. And if you're not yet in a place where you can love something about yourself or someone else, then Look for the space where you can be, mm -hmm. where you can be present with empathy and yes. kindness and compassion and a willingness to concede that maybe there's something to what they're saying that you do not yet see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what a beautiful frame for being able to look at something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Daniela. Thank you. <laughs> Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. 
I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.